Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Are you ready to hear a word from God today? I'm ready to preach. I'm ready to teach. I'm ready to preach. I'm ready to teach. All right. And so, so this is going to be good. I'm talking about how, how to date and how to do marriage. And I got to be honest, I, I can talk more about the marriage side now because my wife and I will celebrate 15 years this October. Glory to God. We're grateful for that. But it has been a minute since I've dated. A minute. It's been a hot minute since I've dated. I don't really have as much experience in the dating world any longer. So I really had to get educated on what dating is now that we live in the era of apps. That wasn't even a thing back then when I was dating. So we have to really start there. And there are some new dating phrases that I learned about that I want to share with you. If you also have been out of the dating scene for a minute, if you have been dating for a long time, then, then, or, then you know these terms. But I like, like ghosting is one I already knew. I already knew about ghosting. Ghosting is when you talk to somebody and then out the blue, you just cut off communication. And just stop talking to them, you turn into a ghost. Okay, so I had heard about ghosting. I had never heard about haunting. Yeah, have you heard about haunting? Haunting. Haunting is like ghosting. Haunting happens when the ghost continues to linger around your social media accounts, <laughs> even viewing your Instagram stories, or is still following you despite them ghosting you. It's like, yo, are you in my life or out of my life? Pick one. But you can't be in both. Next one is zombieing. You ever heard of zombieing? Zombieing is exactly as it sounds. It's when someone who ghosted you suddenly decides to come back into your life. After a long time, as if nothing ever happened. They have essentially risen from the dead. I'm glad they call it zombieing, not Jesusing or Lazarusing. <laughs> this one is funny, this one is true, I guess. This is the hay and pray. Hay and pray. You ever heard about the hay and pray? Hay and pray. Hay and pray is when you take your shot or test the waters by sending a hey on a dating app or text and then pray for a reply. And then pray for a reply. <laughs> it's like, I just want to see if she likes me. I don't know. Hey, girl. Da, da, da. Nothing. <laughs> Waldoing. This one confused me. Waldoing. You ever heard of Waldoing? Waldoing. Waldoing is to keep their physical appearance a mystery, some choose to upload only group photos on social media and dating apps. This makes it difficult to discern them apart, leaving potential matches to ask, where's Waldo? <laughs> That's funny. I don't care what you say. And, and, and the last one is called Groundhogging. Groundhogging. And it's named after the movie Groundhog Day with Bill Murray, how he lives the day over and over again. Groundhog Day is named after the movie Groundhog, no, Groundhogging is named after the movie Groundhog Day. It explains the act of going after or dating the same type of person over and over again, but expecting different results. <laughs> now we start preaching. Because <laughs> as we talk about how to date and how to do marriage, I just want to give you a big heads up. The things you are going to hear today are wild. They are so counter 
cultural. You're going to think I'm crazy because the Bible is what I'm preaching from and the Bible is countercultural and the Bible is wild. But if we're going to be honest, we're going to have to try doing this the Bible's way, the countercultural way, the crazy way, because if we're honest, our way is not working. If we're honest, it hasn't been working for quite some time. So I want to speak to you today on the topic before and after marriage. Before and after marriage. How to do dating and how to do marriage. Now, before I can get into a message about dating and marriage, I have to answer the obvious question, which is, do I have to date and do I have to get married? And the answer is no and yes. Let's start with no. No. If you don't want to get married, then you don't have to date, which is the first lie we have to address, especially if you grew up, if you grew up in church, because if you grew up in church, the single people always got looked at kind of funny. The single people always got kind of secretly judged, like if being single was some kind of punishment or something wrong with you. And I just need to let every single person know here, the attack lie number one, being single is bad. That's a lie. That is not true. Not only does the Bible say that being single is not a sin, it actually says the opposite of that. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 6 through 7. I'm not saying that you must marry. Boom, right there, single people. There's your verse. You ain't got to get married if you don't want to. But you certainly may if you wish. I wish, and this is what Paul says, the opposite. He goes, in fact, I wish everybody could be single like me. Just like me. But we're not all the same. God gives some the gift of a husband or a wife, and to others, he gives the gift. Somebody say the gift. All my single people say the gift. The gift of being able to stay happily unmarried. Paul says that being single is a gift, to which all single people replied, well, does that come with a receipt? Because I need to return that gift right there. I don't want it. But here's why Paul calls it a gift, because Paul sees things through an eternal lens. And in Paul's eyes, it's better to be single because you can do more for God if you're single. You can go to that mission trip in Africa if you don't got to find a babysitter. You can accomplish more. Listen, there was a pastor who I follow and who I love who wrote two back-to-back bestsellers and then didn't write another book for 10 years. And then he taught a session that I was in, and people, he, he just came out with his next book, and he said, people ask why I went 10 years without writing another book. He goes, I give them the answer all the time. They don't like the answer. The reason why I waited 10 years is because I got married and had kids. I got married, had kids. And then he said this, and this really rocked me because I always wanted to be someone who met my potential. I always wanted to meet the fullness of my potential, the fullness of my potential. He said, and the moment I got married, I realized I would never reach the fullness of my potential. He said, but that's okay, because when you get to heaven, you're not judged on whether or not you met the fullness of your potential. You're judged on whether or not you fulfilled your calling. And my calling was to be a husband and a dad, not write a hundred books. When I get there, it's my calling that I get judged for, not my potential. And so what I'm trying to encourage you, married people is, and single people, but start with married people, is don't complain about your season. Don't complain about your calling. Step into your calling. Lean into your calling. Well, my wife writes for me all the all, home all the time. No, lean into that calling. Maximize that calling. Go on date nights. Go to the, ga- uh, the kids' game. All single people, don't complain about being single. Lean into being single. Make the most of being single because you can do more now than you can when you get married. So if you're single forever or if you're single for a season, now's when you start the business. Now's when you go after your graduate degree. Now's when you get in six small groups. Now's when you join three different teams. Take advantage now. Lean into it. It's not a sin to be single. It's only a sin not to make the most of your singleness. 
Make the most of it while you got it. Do the most of it while you have it because you won't have it forever, all right? Now, if you want to get married, you got a date, okay? Amazon sells a lot. But one thing they ain't got no sales on right now is brides and husbands. So if, if, if you want to get married, you're going to have to date, but this is where it gets countercultural. But if you're going to date, it's to get married. Mm, I didn't expect a lot of amens on that one. <laughs> you wouldn't say amen if you didn't grow up in church because if you didn't grow up in church, you didn't really hear this a lot. You're just kind of judging by the way that you see things go on in the world. And there is a belief that marriage is just a social construct. It's an invention of the patriarchy to enslave women. And it's a way for financially savvy people to leverage tax deductions. <laughs> and so you don't have to get married if you're dating. It's perfectly fine to just live together. No need to put pressure. No need to put a, a ring on it. And that makes sense if you think man made it. Because anything you think man made, you can take apart. See, that's the lie number two that we have to address right here, that marriage is man-made. That's a lie. That's a lie. And if you think we made it, then we can take it apart. My boys were in a, a Christmas Lego building competition, and uh, Zane built something. It was like a, and then Justice built something, and Zane built something, and it was like a, like a, like a Iron Man Grinch or something like that. And it was pretty cool. And then Justice kind of looked at it, and you know, I think maybe he was a little jealous because his, his toy came out a little better than his Lego. And he started to take the pieces of the Iron Man Grinch apart. And he was like, looks more like a Iron Man Rudolph <laughs> reindeer or whatever. And I told Justice, I said, man, you can't do that because that's not yours. You didn't make that. He made that. You play with your Lego, you didn't make that. Lean in, and because you didn't make it, you don't get to define it or deconstruct it. Because we didn't make marriage, we don't get to define it or deconstruct it. God made it. Look at what Matthew chapter 19 verse 4 says. Haven't you read, somebody say read, that at the beginning the creator made them male and female. And that's the problem right there. We don't, we don't see the world by having you read. We see the world by having you heard. Haven't you heard 50% of marriage is in the divorce, so what's the point? Haven't you seen your parents' marriage? It wasn't great. Haven't you felt like you didn't want to do this anymore? And Jesus says, you can't operate the world. You can't operate morality. You can't define truth by what you've seen and what you've heard. You've got to define truth by what you've read, by the word of God. We can't allow the world to create narratives for our morality. We got to see what Jesus, you know what the Bible said, what Jesus said. In verse five, he continues. He says, for this reason, a man will Will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh so they are no longer two but one flesh therefore put on the screen what who what who what God has joined together let no one separates what God has joined together God was the one who invented marriage when you look at your Bible in the book of Genesis you see a marriage Adam and Eve open up your Bible in the book of Revelations you see a marriage the church in Christ marriage is in the Genesis marriages in Revelations it was God's creation and if God made it here's what I know despite the kind of marriages that you saw growing up if God made it then it's good it's good because God only makes good things and here's why it's so good because your marriage is a sermon illustration to the world Ephesians chapter 5 verse 31 through 32 says this as scriptures say a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one this is a great mystery but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one it's an illustration um, Pastor Liz my wife she's doing this 
small group with some close women in her life who were over the age of 40, and she was explaining it to me at the kitchen counter, and she was like, this is what I'm doing. And I was like, oh, so you're doing a small group? And she was like, no, no. I was like, well, it sounds like a small group, y'all getting together, talking about Jesus at a regular date and time, and there's only 60 y'all, so this sounds like a small group. She goes, no, don't, don't call it that. I said, why don't you want me to call it that? She said, I don't like it. I was like, are you, you say you don't want to call it that because once you call it that, there's a commitment. Y'all got to show up every month at the same day, at the same time, and you don't want that commitment. And she's like, yeah, because you know I'm really busy and with life and with all that, and I just don't want to call it that because then that commitment comes in. I go, that's cool, that's cool. But can I use this story in one of my sermons? <laughs> she said, yes, as long as you don't make me look bad. So I hope I didn't make you look bad, babe. I know you're hard. I know you're busy. I know you got a lot going on. But it's crazy how much she wanted to avoid a word because it wasn't just a word but because that avoid insinuated a commitment. The reason why many of us are afraid of the word is because the word insinuates a commitment, but that commitment is actually the illustration between the commitment between Christ and the church. The same way that when people get married, they're saying, hey, I'm there for you no matter what, come hell or high water. That's how Jesus is for us, and that's how we are for Jesus. No matter how hard life gets, I'm not giving my back to you, Jesus. And Jesus looks at us and goes, and no matter how wild you get, I just want you to know I love you, and I'm not leaving you, and nothing can separate you from my love. No devil, no depth, no sin, no hate, no nothing. I'm going to be with you forever. The same way I sacrifice for you, you sacrifice for your wife. This is what love is supposed to look like. It's an illustration. Now, now that we've established the biblical precedence of dating and marriage, now I'm going to give you some practical advice. It's God's way for dating and for doing marriage. So let's talk about before marriage, which is dating. Point number one, before marriage, go beyond feelings. Go beyond feelings. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. The human heart is the most honorable. <laughs> is the most honest. The human heart is the most what? Deceitful. Ye lying somebody. <laughs> most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Listen, you cannot trust your feelings in dating because your feelings will lie to you. They will lie to you. Last week, we preached the story of two women and one man, Rachel, Leah, and Jacob. And we learned that Leah was not cute. And that Rachel was very cute. But here's what you need to know about Rachel. She was also an idol worshiper, a liar, and emotionally manipulative. I saved that information for today because I wanted to make a different point today. And that point that I'm trying to make today is that Rachel was bad. She bad or you bad. But also, she was bad for Jacob. Now, on the other hand, you got Leah, who is faithful, who never complained once, even, her own, even though her own daddy didn't believe in her, who never complained, was just honored, who just loved God. But Jacob kept picking Rachel because of the way Rachel made him feel. So now, and, and Leah was popping out babies every other year. So she was the actual one who was blessing his legacy. Now, here's my question. Are you going to be with the one who produces feelings? Or are you going to be with the one who produces fruit? Because they're not always the same person. You got to be careful because if you keep basing relationships on your feelings, feelings aren't always right. Your feelings are not based on what's right. Your feelings are based on your type. And when you all have a type and the problem with your type is that the devil knows your type. Yeah, tall and dark. That's how you like them. Fellas, light and tight. That's how you like it. Yeah. 
But the problem with dating people based on their appearances only is that you will end up, not only will you end up in toxic relationships, you'll start desiring them. And then you start walking past perfectly awesome people here at Journey Church who are 5'8", just because they're 5'8". <laughs> Come on now, short people. I got your back, okay? I got your back today. Well, Pastor, he's just not my type. What do you mean he's not your type? Well, he's just boring. Boring? Well, let's talk about your type. Last three relationships you've been in, you got cheated on, lied to, and you're heartbroken. Maybe you ought to have a new type. Well, I just need someone who's exciting. Define exciting. Mm-hmm. 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 Some of the stuff you just mentioned, you will go to jail for. What you call exciting, I call crazy. He ain't boring. He's normal. <laughs> Fellas, well, you know, I don't know I just want to be with her. You know, she just, she, just, she just looks so basic. She dresses so basic. I don't like the my type that she dresses so basic. What you call basic, the rest of us call modest. She don't have to put it all out there because she knows who she is on the inside. She got more value in her personality than she does in her push-up bra. What you call basic, you call modest. And so, you know, back in the Bible times, they didn't even have dating. They had prearranged marriages. Now, I am not proposing prearranged marriages today. All right? Unless you really think your 10-year-old daughter is going to be awesome because I got a 10-year-old son and we can talk. I'm just kidding. We don't do that, all right? <laughs> so in case you're new here, it'd be like, I'm not even coming back. They do weird stuff. We don't do that. But, but I, 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 do, I do appreciate one thing about the prearranged marriages. I studied the history behind it, and there was a historian and theologian who explained why they did it. And he said this. He said, because the choosing of a life partner was considered far too serious a matter to be left to emotional impulse. Oof. So before marriage, go beyond feelings. That's how you date. What about after marriage? Are you ready? After marriage, go beyond feelings. Go beyond feelings. What do you mean? You're not supposed to feel in love? No, you are. You just need to establish the difference between love the feeling and love the choice. Love the noun and love the verb. Love the feeling is great, but science studies and surveys show us that love the feeling only lasts between six months and two years. Then after the feeling fades, you're going to have to make a choice. You're going to have to make a choice. Now, again, I'm not saying that when you're married, you lose that feeling of love. I love, love, love my wife. And I still, just yesterday, uh, we, we hung out all day yesterday in the morning. And then she, I got to church a little early for, for prayer. And then she came in a little later. And when she walked back past those, those, those black curtains and came over here, I told her, I said, now I know what blue feels like when you come home. Our dog, I said, because the moment you came out of that curtain, my, my tail started wagging, girl. My tail started wagging. <laughs> I mean, my heart's tail, my heart's tail started wagging. I was just, I got butterflies looking at her. I was like, dang, girl, I know what I'm praying for. You know, like, I just, it's so good. Like, it, I just, I, so I got that feeling. But in the same note, I want to be honest with you. There were times this year when I did not feel like that. There were times this year when I didn't even want to be in the same room as her. Can I be even more honest? There were times in the last two weeks where she didn't want to be in the same room as me. But that's okay because real love is not a feeling. Real love is what you do when you're not feeling it. 
It's what you do when you get there. What you do when you can't stand them. What you do when they don't look cute right now. What do you do in that moment? That's what real love is. And we can't allow those seasons when we're not feeling it to dictate our actions. Well, I'm going to leave because I'm not feeling it. I'm going to stop serving because I'm not feeling it. I'm going to stop providing because I'm not feeling it. I'm going to stop helping because I'm not, I'm not feeling it. I'm going to stop sleeping with them because I'm not feeling it. And I'm going to start looking for someone else because I'm feeling them. And it's crazy, but that actually gets celebrated in the world today. Like, have you ever heard that, this phrase, just do you? Just, hey, do whatever makes you happy. If walking out makes you happy, the most important thing in the world is you being happy. I don't think I've ever heard a more ridiculous statement in my entire life. Do what you want to do. Do what makes you happy. If I did everything that makes me happy, if I only ate the foods that make me happy, huh? Are you catching it? It's not, it doesn't work like that. I'm about to give you an upside down, crazy, countercultural, wild, biblical statement, but it's 100% true. You can write this down, you can tattoo this on your foot. Here it goes like this <laughs> Happiness, do what makes you happy. Happiness is not the goal of a healthy marriage, happiness is the byproduct of a healthy marriage. You don't get married to be happy. You get married, you have a healthy marriage, you become happy because it's healthy. Being in the gym doesn't make me happy. And anybody who tells you different is lying. <laughs> I love the gym. No, you don't. You love the way the gym makes you feel. You love when you leave that you can look good. You look in the mirror and you got confidence. That's what you love. You don't love lifting weights. You don't love being on a bike. Eating healthy doesn't make me happy. Not getting sick for a year because I'm eating the right things and taking my vitamins, that's what makes me happy. Going to bed early doesn't make me happy, but waking up with energy, that's what makes me happy. Imagine only feeding your kids when you're happy to do it. <laughs> Imagine that. Go, keep that on the screen. That's somebody's next tattoo. It's, it's, they would starve. You know how hungry kids get all the time they want to eat. Some of you know exactly what I mean. Your kids been living on Pop-Tarts, cereal, and mac and cheese this past year. Now let me translate it to marriage, okay? Listen, when, I, when, I sh when I'm supposed to be listening but I want to speak, listening doesn't make me happy. Taking my shoes off every time I get into the house, because that's the way Liz likes our house, that doesn't make me happy. You know what it's like to walk down the stairs with your backpack, your shirt, and your shoes in one hand? It's not natural. Fixing one broken thing a week in the house because Pastor Liz's love language is home repair. <laughs> Does not make me happy. Taking the middle seat every time we get on the airplane because she has to have the aisle seat. Doesn't make me happy. But having a healthy marriage with two honest, unselfish, vulnerable, self-sacrificing people, that makes me happy. The goal of a marriage isn't to be happy, but to bear fruit, yeah. to bear fruit. Let's go back to dating. If you're dating, let me help you. Before marriage, ask questions. You better ask a lot of questions. You need to know that when you meet somebody, I don't care how long you've been dating, it takes time, you are not meeting that person. You are meeting that person's representative. <laughs> are you with me? You are meeting the best version of that person. That person, before they left the house, said, I need to be on it today. No farting in public. Brush your teeth. Put on deodorant. I mean, they checked all the boxes before they left the house on that first date. So I'm going to tell you right now, if you had a bad first date, 
Next. <laughs> that, was, that was their best. <laughs> so it's on down from there. And I don't mean this to be pointing. I, I, I may admit it. My very first day with Liz, we'll talk about our first day a little later in this message, but our very first day, I remember leaving the restaurant we were coming out of and there was a homeless guy on the corner of the street. And I thought, this is my chance. <laughs> he says, sir, do you have any money? I said, silver or gold, I do not have. <laughs> I, said, I said, but what I have, I give you. I preached the gospel to that homeless man. And he got saved. And then I gave him some money. And then, and then this was our very first date. And then I was, I was with Liz. She was like, wow. I was like, I know. That's just how I roll. That's why you didn't know you're dating the men of God, okay? You're dating the men of God. Yeah. Now, I'm ashamed to say it. We've been married 15 years, and I have done that like six times in 15 years. Now, listen, I'm not fake. That was just me at my best. That was me at my best. And so, but you're not going to marry their best. You're going to marry them. And you didn't know who they are. And so you need to ask a lot of questions to find out who they are. Well, Pastor, I just love him. You don't love him. You don't even know him. You love the way he makes you feel. You love his representative, but you don't even know him. Listen, if you don't ask them questions now, you're going to be asking yourself questions later. So you need to ask them questions now. Let me help you, single people, okay? I'm going to give you some questions. The married people will get to you in a second. Single people, let me help you with some questions. Start off easy. You don't want to scare them. First question, what's your name? <laughs> Joe? Mm-mm, ain't nobody named Joe. <laughs> what's your real name? Like, what's on the birth certificate? Josephus. Okay, I needed to know that. I needed to know if that was going to be the name of my son one day, okay? I don't know if that's where he gets his name from. Is that where you got your name from? Is, your, is that your daddy's name? When can I meet your daddy? I, I'd like to meet your daddy because I need to know who you have the potential to turn into. So I got to meet your daddy. And while I meet your daddy, can I meet your mama? I need to meet your mama because I need to see the way you treat her because I know that the way you treat her is probably going to be the way you treat me. And so I need to know, do you cut her off when she speaks? Do you and her even speak? I, I, I need to know. Do you have a job? How long have you had that job? How much money do you make? Do you have a bank account? How is your credit? Can I see your FICO score? Do you have a house? Or do you live in an apartment? Or do you stay with mom and them? I need to know. Fellas, you can ask the girls tough questions too. What do you like to eat? Do you like to exercise? Because you look fine now, but do you plan on staying fine all your life? Or do you plan on getting big? I'm not vain, I just need to know. I promise I'm not vain, I promise I care about your personality and you look beautiful, but what do you look like without makeup on? Putting on on tomorrow, I need to see. I need to see, cause I love your hair. But is that hair yours? Or did you purchase it? And if you purchased it, is it paid for or are you in debt? I need to know. Do you watch porn? When was the last time you watched it? Can I see your browser history? I need to know. 
And don't be mad at nobody talking about, well, they just never get angry. Pastor, I've been dating them a year and a half, and I never seen them get angry once. Then don't you marry them. Because everybody gets angry. And you need to see what they look like when, they get angry. when you get angry. Do you throw things? Do you cuss? Do you beat up on people? Do you walk out? I need to know what you're going to look like when you get angry. I need to know. You got to ask these questions. Why? Because you date potential, but you marry patterns. When you date somebody, you're dating them for what you think they could be. But just know when you marry somebody, you are marrying who they were. Whoever they were is going to be who they are. I, I, it breaks my heart when I counsel couples, well, he cheated on me. That's why we're getting a divorce. I said, well, tell me about when you were dating. Well, he cheated on me once when I was dating. Time out. So you knew who you were marrying when you married him. Why well, I just thought God could change him. Don't, don't play that card with your boyfriend. I believe in faith and I believe in transformation, but don't you beauty and the beast it. Nah, Bell, he an animal. If I just kiss him, I know he'll, I can transform him. Mm, only Jesus can change people. Don't let your faith turn you into a fool. We marry patterns. After you get married, let me help you out. After marriage, I think you can see where this is going. Ask questions. Ask questions. One of the things I get a lot in marriage counseling with couples is, well, you know, he changed. She changed. To that, I respond, no duh. Because that's what people do. You don't expect the 28-year-old version of yourself to have the same interest as the eight-year-old version of yourself. So why would we expect the 48-year-old version of your spouse to have the same interest as the 28-year-old version of your spouse? You got to get to know the person they are today. But I get it. It can be shocking when you're married to somebody and you find out something new about them and you're like, what? Or you find out they don't know you as well as you thought they did. Just a couple weeks ago, I was, we pulled up to Starbucks drive-thru with my wife and I, and she was like, what do you want? I was like, just my order. Just get my order, my drink, my normal drink. She said, what's that? I said, what? She said, what's, what's your drink? I said, you don't know my Starbucks drink? She said, no, I, I don't know it. And she was like, why are you acting that way? You don't know my Starbucks drink. I said, Grande Pike plays hot with three brown sugars. Not to be fair, she knows my social security number. So you know, I don't know. I don't know hers, but... <laughs> But that's just to claim the life insurance. I know you, girl. I'm just playing. I was so, I was so high-key offended that she did not know my Starbucks drink. And then the other day, I thought I knew her. I, 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 a couple years ago, I bought her a bracelet, and it was um, like turquoise blue. And I came back from the trip that I was at, and I said, like, hey, here's this bracelet. And she opened it up. She was like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> what, you, what you mean that's nice? She said, it's nice. I like it. I like it. What's wrong with it? And she was like, no, I just, I said, I stopped her. I said, that's your favorite color, turquoise blue. That's your favorite color. And she said, mm, that's not my favorite color anymore. <laughs> your favorite color changed? I've had the same favorite color since I was four. You can change your favorite color. If you're taking notes, Mary, people write this down. You know the person you marry. Now get to know the person you're married to. Because it's different. And really, marriage is an adventure and an opportunity to get to know somebody over and over again every day. Sometimes they change and you feel like it's for the worse. Sometimes they change, you feel like it's for the better. You have a responsibility in that moment to lean into this new person that they are, as long as they'll allow you to, to get 
to know them. So I'm gonna make it easy for married people. I'm gonna put a QR code on the screen. This is for married people only, not single people, okay? Listen, there are marriage date night questions. The reason why I say single people don't do this because some of the questions on this are inappropriate for single people. And so they are marriage appropriate only, and this will be on YouTube. So if you ever get married, you can always come back to this sermon, single people, okay? And you can pull this up. And here are some questions that you can ask with your spouse. If you don't have the time to pull out your phone, it'll be on YouTube. You can pull out throughout the week. But make it easy for you to ask questions. You can ask questions, all right? Now, before marriage, back to dating. Before marriage, I'm going to hit these next two real fast. Before marriage, if you're dating, have fun and be creative. In the dating process, be creative. Listen, I was first date. This is a true story. I told you I was going to talk about it. First, we went to the aquarium. We bought a stuffed stingray. Still got it in our attic to this day. The stuffed stingray from our trip to the aquarium on our first date 16, 17 years ago. I still have it. Second thing we did was eat pizza. It was NYPD pizza over at uh, Ybor City. Third thing we did was go to the movies. We watched Premonition with Sandra Bullock. It was a bad movie, but the company was great. <laughs> then we had dinner at a restaurant that was a renovated bank by the vault. Then we had a milkshake. I left my card at the milkshake, remember? And then on the way out of the milkshake, that's when we ministered to the homeless man. And then, <laughs> then we went to an arcade. She beat me in every single shooting game. And then I brought her home at a reasonable time because I was trying to impress her daddy, okay? No, just kidding. I didn't have a lot of money. Some of you are like, that's a big date. I didn't have a lot of money, okay? That was just an investment. I knew I had one shot and I was not gonna miss my shot. I wanted to show her that I was gonna try, that I was gonna put in the work. And listen, you don't need a lot of money if you're dating to have a good time, but I will tell you ladies that if he's not trying now, He's not going to try later. Men don't get more creative as they get older. <laughs> we, don't, we don't get more creative. That's a flag. If it's, if it's early, ladies, if, 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 guys, if, if you love rock climbing and she's afraid of heights, that's not going to turn around later. And why am I making such a big deal about this? Because beauty fades. Strength dissipates. Muscles dwindle. At the end, in the middle of your marriage, it's not whether or not you think they're fine. It's not their body anymore, it's their soul. And if you can't have fun with that person, they're not good for you. After marriage, have fun and be creative. Husbands, wives, don't stop trying. Hey, I love Olive Garden as much as the next guy. But you've been there every Tuesday for the last six months. We gotta switch it up. All right, let's try Indian this week. Let's mix it up. Let's do something different, something risky, okay? Try some Thai food. Make it spicy. Break up the monotony. Try something different. Have fun. I'm all for alone time in marriage. That's important. But what do y'all do together that is fun? You need to have at least one thing that y'all can do together that is fun. If it's sports, if it's gardening, if it's working out, if it's stamp collecting, I don't care. Just find something that y'all can do together and in joy. What I love about God and us is that the Bible says that his mercies are new every morning and he tells us to sing a new song every day. Did you catch it? In our relationship with God, he always keeps it fresh and we always keep it fresh by singing new songs. That's it. We, it's the same way it should be with husbands and wives. Now for the last one, since you know where I'm going with this, before and after marriage, hear me, before and after marriage, I'll just put it together. Last one, pray first. Pray first, pray first. Matthew 6, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. 
Single people, let me talk to single people who are dating. If he checks all the boxes, if she checks all the boxes, before you put down the walls of your heart and give it over to him or her, listen, pray first and ask the Lord, Lord, is this the person that you want me to be with right now? Is this the person that is going to bring me closer to you or is going to draw me away from you? They check all the boxes. They seem to be great on the outside, but I need your guidance, Holy Spirit. Help me, and I believe God will speak to you. Did I ever tell you a story about how I moved to Florida from New York City? My family would tell you that it's because they wanted to change the scenery, but I know what really happened. A week before my mom and dad set me down, I threw up a prayer. I was in a relationship with a girl who was no good for me, but I really loved her. And I remember praying this prayer to the Lord. I said, Lord, I know you got plans for my life, but I don't know if this girl is a part of those plans or not, but if she's not, I don't have the, the strength or the courage to break up with her. I love her. So, so if, if you don't want me to be with her, God, you're gonna have to take her out of my life because I don't think I can lay her down. The next week, my mom and dad sent me down and said, we're moving to Florida. I said, dang, Lord. <laughs> you sent that one in. That was a prime prayer right there. That was, that was prime. That came in next day. So many people might think, man, you know, I wish God would do it like that for me. Honestly, I think I got the cheater's way out because he did it for me. What if God puts that in your hands? Are you ready? We ask the Lord for clarity a lot of times. Lord, just show me what your plan is. But can I be honest? Can you be honest? Most of the time, we already know. Huh? So let me give you something to write down, single people. And after you pray for clarity, pray for courage to do what God revealed to you. Some of you have been dating for years. You're praying and God is saying, hey, this is the person I have for you. Well, you know what? If you checked all the boxes and you, you asked all the questions and now the Lord gave you peace, I, I know you might be afraid of marriage, but you know what? Take that step into commitment now that you've prayed. Or you've been with someone for years and you know that the Holy Spirit's telling you it's time to end it. This person is not bringing you closer to me. This person is bad for you. Then pray for courage to have that conversation to go your separate ways. Married people, pray first. Pray first. Before you yell at them, before you shout at them, before you walk out the house, pray first. And process with God before you process with them. You know how many arguments in my house don't happen? because Liz and I pray first. We want to yell at that person. We want to shout at them. We want to throw something. We pray first, and then God's like, nope, you're the problem. They're like, oh, thank you, Lord. I appreciate that. You just saved me a whole argument. I'm the one that got to get right. When you pray first, God can work on you before you start working it out with them. You might have some things that you and God have got to get out. And what if you're in a relationship with the other person's the problem and you know it? Still pray first. And ask the Holy Spirit to do what only he can. Well, only he can. If you're in that relationship right now and it feels hopeless, I want to encourage you. You can't change them. Pastor JJ, how is that encouraging? Because God can. And when we put it in his hands, he does the rest. Would you stand at your feet all over this room? I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. First people I want to pray for are single people. Then I want to pray for those who are dating. I want to pray for those who are married. If you're single or single again, 
would you just close your eyes, bow your heads, everybody in this room, maybe stretch your hands out towards heaven or like this. You can have your open up. I just want you to receive what God has for you. Father, we pray for every single or single again person, divorced, widow, just single. Lord, maybe they, they're wondering, am I called to this for life? God, I pray that you would encourage this person and let them know that that's the wrong question. The wrong question isn't, how long am I going to be here? The, the, that's the wrong question. The right question is, God, how do I make the most of this single season? God, we pray for all single people right now. Help them lean into their singleness. Make the most of their singleness. Make the most of their singleness and start making an impact for your kingdom and your calling, Lord. I pray for that. I pray for those who are dating right now. God, I pray that you would give clarity and you would give courage. Clarity and courage. Clarity and courage, Lord. We're praying. We're leaning into you. We need clarity and we need courage. Show us if we're supposed to be with them and then give us the courage to take that next step when we're supposed to take it because we need it. Clarity and courage. Finally, God, I want to pray for married people. God, I pray for those who swear that their spouse is the problem. First, Lord, first, Lord, help us process with ourselves. Show me in my life where I can improve, where I can get better, where I can be healed and do it in my life. Go ahead, married people. Just ask the Lord. Do it in my life. Work in me first. Help me first. Secondly, Lord, if there's something in my spouse that needs working, God, I can't correct him anymore. I can't correct her anymore. Holy Spirit, would you do the work? Would you? My job is to love them. My job is to serve them. My job is to pray for them. My job is to be faithful, to sacrifice and love them like you love the church. But their transformation is up to them. And in the name of Jesus, I pray you speak to them right now, Lord, and you do the transformation. And to everyone in this room, if that feels foreign, that might be because you don't have a relationship with Jesus to begin with. You don't pray often because Jesus has been so far from you. But today you can make that change. Today you can make that turn. If you're in the room today and you're just hearing about this Jesus person for the first time, let me fill you in. That was God who became a human 2,000 years ago to wipe away all your sin, all your transgression, all your shame, to give you a brand new start, to fill every void in your life so that you can be fulfilled relationally without another person. If that's you and you're in this room today and you need Jesus in your life, you want to come back to God and put him first. All over this room, on three, raise your right hand high. I need Jesus. One, two, three. Shoot your right hand high. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. It's not working without Jesus. I see your hands. I see your hands. So many hands. Whether you raise your hand or not, would everybody pray this prayer out loud with me? Worship team, pray this prayer out loud with me. Father God, I give you my life. I need you and no one else. Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I put you first. I start a new life following your way. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Today is day one of the next chapter. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.